Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to the September 28th, 2022 Rancho Santa Margarita City Council meeting. I'm going to go ahead and call the meeting to order. Pledge of Allegiance, Councilman McGurr, would you lead us tonight? Thank you very much. Ms. Diaz, can we get a roll call, please? Mayor Figueroa. Here. Mayor Pro Tem Holloway. Here. Councilmember Beal. Here. Councilmember Gamble. Here. Councilmember McGurr. Here. Thank you. Uh, Mayor Pro Tem, will you join me, please? Well, good evening, everyone. Tonight we have a proclamation from the Orange County Fire Authority Fire Prevention Week, October 9th to the 15th. Barrick Hunter, OCFA Division Chief, can you join us tonight? Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having thank me. Thank you so much. Thank you, Stand right next to us, sir. So fire is a serious public safety concern, both locally and nationally, and homes are where people are at the greatest risk from fire. Working smoke alarms in the home can reduce the risk of dying in a fire by more than half. An average of 358,000 homes experience a structural fire every year. More than a third of home fire deaths occur in homes with no smoke alarms. The risk of dying in reported home structure fires is 55% lower in homes with working smoke alarms. In 2021, there was 100 cooking fires across Orange County. In 2019, Orange County was in the top three states in the United States with the largest number of fire deaths. Orange County residents should install working smoke alarms on every level of the home, in the hallway, outside the sleeping areas, and in every bedroom. Orange County residents are responsive to public education and outreach measures and can take personal steps to increase their safety from fire, especially in their homes. 2022 Fire Prevention Week theme, Fire Won't Wait, Plan Your Escape, effectively serves to remind us all to educate everyone about simple but important actions they can take to keep themselves and those around them safe from home fires. As mayor of the city, on behalf of my city council colleagues and our almost 50,000 residents, we want to thank you so much for proclaiming October 9th to the 15th of um, October 2022 Fire Prevention Week and urge Orange County residents to plan and practice a home fire escape. Everyone needs to be prepared in advance so they know that when the smoke alarm sounds and to support the many public safety activities and efforts of the Orange County Fire Authority during Fire Prevention Week 2022. Congratulations. Thank you. Should we get a picture, Laura? Would you like to say a few words? Sure. 
On behalf of the Orange County Fire Authority, thank you for this proclamation. Um, one of the things that I wanted to speak about, you summed it up pretty well in your speech, but uh, wildfire season, it's all year round in California. Some of the things that you can do in your homes or harden your homes, make sure you have the defensible space and the RSG program. We have a lot of information at OCFA.org. Um, something else that you can do here in your own community is OC Alert alertoc.com is to log on to there. That'll provide you up-to-date incident information so you know what's going on around you for all types of incidents as well as evacuation. Um, thanks again, City Council and Mayor. Just want to also thank OCFA. This summer we held a fire prevention and awareness town hall here at City Hall and um, Orange County Fire Authority was so instrumental in, in helping us do that. And we actually recorded the whole presentation and it's online on our city website. And you can tune in at any time that you want to learn about everything that was taught that evening and how to protect your home and your family. So thank you so much for participating with that event with us this summer, we appreciate it. So thank you so much, thank you for being here. Is Scott Voigt's here? No, I don't see him. Saga, Conroy? Okay. I think we're going to skip that one. Okay, moving on, schedule of future events. Ms. City Manager. Thank you, Madam Mayor, members of the City Council. The first event we would like to announce is the Electronic Waste Disposal and Document Shredding event. This will occur on Saturday, October 1st at the Applied Medical R100 building parking lot. It's a new location located at 29977 Avenida de las Banderas. The event will be held from 8 a.m. to 12 noon. It is open to everyone that would like to properly discard their old electronic items. Items that will be accepted include monitors, television sets, mouse and keyboards, cables and cords, computers, printers, hard drives, shredders, cell phones, power supplies, telephones, laptops, servers, DVDs and VCRs, copiers and fax machines. We cannot accept sharps, kitchen appliances, batteries, smoke detectors, or fluorescent tubes. This is also a document shredding event, and it's a great time to get rid of all of those old documents that you no longer need. Please bring your paper records and documents in a standard size file box. The documents will be shredded on site at no cost. There is a limit of 10 boxes per household or business. The second event is the RSM Chamber of Commerce Rancho Family Fest, which will be held Saturday, October 8th from noon to 10 p.m. and Sunday, October 9th from noon to 8 p.m. located at Central Park. Hosted by the RSM Chamber of Commerce in cooperation with the city and Samlark, Rancho Family Fest is a great opportunity for everyone in the community, businesses, families alike, to participate in some great 
music, food, and some vendors as well. We encourage everyone to buy their tickets online, and I understand it's a cashless event this year. Finally, the Fall Family Fest Halloween celebration will occur on Monday, October 31st from 2 to 5 p.m. located at Central Park. There will be trick-or-treating, costume contests, bounce houses and inflatables, child and pet costume parade, music, games, food vendors, a festive photo opportunity, and more. For more information, please visit samlark.org or call 949-709-0013, and the city will be participating as it has last several years with a really fun festive booth. Thank you. Thank you very much. Moving on to public comments, this is the time to address the City Council on any matter not listed on this agenda that is within the subject matter jurisdiction of the City Council. Public comments are limited to three minutes per person and a time limit of 15 minutes for this segment of the public comments portion of the agenda. Do you have an e-comment and several public speakers tonight? The first is from Chris McLaughlin. This is an e-comment. I question why Rancho Family Fest charges for admission. I thought the whole idea from the city's perspective was to drive as much traffic to the event as possible to benefit the city's local businesses who have booths on display. I think charging for admission would detract from that goal. Also, it's offensive on principle that you cordon off public space for a paid private event that's subsidized. Okay, thank you for that. And um, I do have Chris McGolfin also as a speaker tonight. Want to come on up? Good evening. Good evening, City Council. Uh, thanks for reading my comments. Um, as you know, Rancho Fest is around the corner. Uh, this morning, Charity Hill uh, posted on Facebook that it's $15 for an all-weekend wristband, uh, which I guess is a good deal. I'll probably go both days. I might wear my new favorite T-shirt. Um, but it got me thinking that I don't think it's always been that way. Uh, I know it's been going on for several years in that fashion, but the first time when we went and they were charging admission, my first thought is, what's going on here? I thought it was a big public uh, festival in Central Park. Um, they have the fencing and then, uh, you know, uh, security. So um, it, it makes me think like, well, um, <clears throat> you go to Rancho Fest thinking how much money you're going to spend. The more you spend on admission, the less you spend on food and beverage. If you didn't have to pay the uh, admission charge, you'd probably spend that same amount uh, buying food or especially beer these days. So I don't think you're really making a lot more money doing that. And you know, on principle, the, the idea that it's, it's a public event, uh, open to the public, but then privatized on public space, being subsidized by the city, it's just, it doesn't add up for me, especially because the stated goal is to have as many people as possible, even from outside the city. You know, people who hear about it, uh, you know, or just drive by and see it going on, and they wanna stop by, like, oh, well, I can't just stop by, I have to buy a wristband. That may turn some people off, which if that's your goal, if it's basically a you know business promotion mixer for the chamber, you'd think you'd want as many people as possible. So that, that doesn't kind of make sense to me. Um, there's probably additional costs involved with the fencing and private security, which eats into how much money you're making from charging admission. So. It just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I think, I don't know if, if that's a conscious decision they never thought about again. I don't know if they used to do it a different way. It seemed from memory, it was like six or seven years ago 
when it first started, it was just uh, more like the summer concerts where everyone's actually welcome. There's no security perimeter. You have uh, the Orange County Sheriff's uh, securing the facility. You have a beer garden uh, every Sunday night for five, six weeks in a row. So I don't know if that's the reason, having to have an area for people to consume alcohol, in which case Rancho Fest, basically the entire thing is the beer garden. Uh, you could still card people at the door and make sure people who are underage don't get a wristband without charging them. And I would think you'd probably make all kinds of money uh, at the beer garden. So I don't know. It's just That's just my thoughts. I'll probably be there um, checking it out like everyone else. Thank you. Take care. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate you being here tonight. Thank you. Okay, moving on to our next public speaker, Debbie Griffiths. Come on up. Good evening, Ms. Griffiths. Thank you for being here. Good evening, Mayor and Council members. My name is Debbie Griffiths, and I live in this beautiful city of Rancho Santa Margarita. I am a survivor of gaslighting and domestic abuse, and October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And I believe more needs to be done to provide education, awareness, and understanding of domestic violence and its causes. I have written a book about the impact of gaslighting on victims and their families, and that book will be released on October the 15th. Here are some facts on domestic violence. Approximately 40% of California women experience physical, intimate partner violence in their life. Women 18 to 24 years of age are significantly more likely to be survivors of physical, intimate partner violence than women in any other age groups. Domestic violence affects people of all genders, sexual orientations, ages, racial, ethnic, cultural, social, religious, and economic groups in the U.S. and even here in California. Domestic violence is the third leading cause of homelessness among families in the United States. It also has a significant impact on women with an estimated 8 million days of paid work lost. It cost $8.3 billion in expenses annually, and that's a combination of higher medical costs and lost productivity. Children exposed to domestic violence can experience long-term consequences, including difficulty at school, substance abuse, behavioral problems in adolescence, and serious adult health issues. These are just some of the facts, and there are more. I'm asking that the city of Rancho Santa Margarita proclaim October as Domestic Violence Awareness Month and join other cities around this country who are doing the same. There's a national domestic violence hotline, 1-800-799-SAFE, should anybody know anyone needing help. And of course, we have Laura's House here in Orange County. That's another organization that helps victims of domestic violence. So thank you for considering this request. Thank you very much, Debbie. We appreciate you being here tonight. Okay, moving on to our next public speaker, Christy DeLeon. Come on up. Good evening. Thank you for being here tonight. Good evening. Thank you for having me. My name is Christy DeLeon, and I am a citizen with a growing concern regarding our firefighters, in particular, concerned about the contract negotiations and how our city council is falling short in supporting the very people who support our community 
24-7 our local firefighters. The city is quick and willing to give proclamations like you did this evening. The city is quick to call on department to give town hall meetings. But where is the support from the city council where it matters most, which is the current contract negotiations? My question to you, Ms. Gamble, when was the last time you attended a JPA meeting? Why did you not attend the last meeting? Are you aware of the increasing, diminishing morale within the firefighters? Lack of support from the elected officials will cause a rippling effect of diminishing qualified firefighters who apply to the department and who ultimately will protect our city. As stated by the chief, it is fire season year round here. We are prepared and ready, are we prepared and ready to have less qualified personnel protect and safeguard our city? The department has noticeable, notable lower applications. They're losing seasoned veterans to other departments who meet them and meet their needs. And more importantly, the department overall has a diminishing quality of service. This is severely concerning being a 10-year resident with two young children in this city, as well as disheartening, especially since we are a community that I feel prides itself in being safe and having a department that is readily available to protect our citizens. So my request to you all is to reconsider and reevaluate how you are supporting our local firefighters, the very people that you will expect to show up in the moments that you will need them most. Thank you. Thank you, Christy, for being here. We Madam Mayor, yes. I'd like to respond to the speaker. Councilmember Gamble. Ms. DeLeon, I can't agree with you more, and perhaps you're not aware that my family had an important once-in-a-lifetime celebration, which caused me to miss the last meeting, which was the only meeting that I missed in 2022. I've served on the board of OCFA for quite some time. In fact, I think I'm the second longest member. I'm not sure you are aware of this city's dedication to OCFA. There are two types of cities are members of OCFA. One is cash contract and one is structural fire fund. Do you know which one we are? Am I able to come back to the podium? Just a yes or no? Yes. You know. And so we are which one? Structural. Yes. So as a structural fire fund city, we actually overfund OCFA. So the cash contract cities at present do not pay for any of the infrastructure for OCFA. They pay for their personnel and their fire stations, their automobiles, their assigned vehicles. They pay for the maintenance of their fire station. Let me read the list of things that the taxpayers, including yourself and my colleagues, pay for for OCFA. The helicopters the purchase of, the staffing, the training, the operation, the maintenance, and the housing. The entire regional operations and training center in Irvine. The hand crew, the hand crew training, the hand crew equipment, the heavy equipment. So to characterize this city as not being interested in funding OCFA is ludicrous because we not only fund 
the needs for the citizens in Rancho Santa Margarita, we're subsidizing the cost of the cash contract cities. So I submit to you and anyone else that is concerned about this issue, they might want to re-examine how the cash contract cities are paying for their fire services. For example, if only half of the residents in Rancho Santa Margarita paid their taxes, we'd be hard-pressed to provide the level of law enforcement that we all enjoy here today. Would you not agree? So we have half of OCFA that's not paying the proportional share of the cost of OCFA. And I can assure you, and I believe you agree because you do know we're a structural fire fund city, that is not the case in Rancho Santa Margarita. We have and we continue to overfund the agency. Your complaint is not falling on deaf ears, but it should not be made to this organization. Thank you. This city, thank you. Um, just wanted to go on record. Uh, our city really so appreciates OCFA. Everything you do, not only for our city, but for every city in Orange County. So um, we appreciate you being here tonight. Thank you. Ms. Diaz, are there any public comments tonight? There are none. Okay, great. Okay, we're gonna go back to proclamations because one of our guests arrived. Can we have pro tem? Well, this is Scott Voigt, who's a good friend of mine from the city of Lake Forest, and he is here representing Supervisor Wagner tonight. And we're gonna be talking about a proclamation for National Suicide Prevention Week, which is September 4th through the 10th. Suicide is a global concern and a serious public health issue. It is the 12th leading cause of death in the United States, with almost 46,000 suicide-related deaths by Americans in 2020. The suicide rate in Orange County has increased 28% since 2000, with an average of over 330 preventable deaths per year, with the most impacted groups by number of suicide deaths being male, white, and middle age, and as well as older adults. During National Suicide Prevention Week and every day, we remember those we have lost to suicide. It is a time when individuals, organizations, and communities around the county join their voices to amplify the message that suicide is preventable. It is recognized that people of all ages benefit from common tenets of wellness, such as access to effective health and behavioral health care support and a sense of meaning and purpose. Attitudes and perceptions about behavioral health challenges and suicide have a significant impact on individual wellness and their willingness to reach out for support and services that alleviate distress. Cultivating and maintaining wellness is a lifelong pursuit and individuals of all ages can benefit from integrating mental wellness into their daily routine to prevent or reduce the severity of a broad range of health and behavioral health challenges. In Orange County, we renew our commitment to connecting with those who may be struggling 
and to encouraging communities, organizations, and our county agencies to work together to prevent suicide. Knowing the signs of suicide, finding the words to talk with someone that may be thinking of suicide, and reaching out to local resources are actions everyone can take to care for themselves and others. All residents of Orange County are urged to take action for suicide prevention and promote mental health and wellness as we strive towards zero suicides. So as mayor of the city, on behalf of my city colleagues, we just want to thank you for being here, Mr. Voigt, and really helping us talk about suicide and talk about ways that we can prevent this in the future. We really appreciate you being here. Would you like to say a few words? I want to thank you, most honorable mayor and council. Um, you know, as city leaders um, and people of faith, it's important that we follow the commandment, love one another, love thy neighbor. And there's people out there struggling, and um, you need to talk about this. And because the fact is that nobody should be without hope, that they're beyond hope, and there's no hope for tomorrow. It's a dark place, and it's got to be shine some light upon. So I want to thank this council, the mayor, and all of you for helping us get the word out there that nobody should be feeling alone and have to turn to suicide because there are helps out there. So on behalf of Supervisor Don Wagner and all of us in the County of Orange, we want to say thank you for recognizing this and joining with us to bring this very important topic that is saving lives because we should all be out there encouraging our friends and our relatives to watch for those signs, people that are struggling, people that are hurting. And in this time, in this age, um, there's going to be people that we all come across. And so keep your eyes open. God bless you. And thank you. God bless you and your counsel. Thank you. Scott, can you talk a little bit about Be Well OC? Because this is something that is growing and getting better, and we're going to be able to offer so many different services, right, for mental health now. So Be Well is, is actually started. They actually have a, um, a, a facility in Anaheim, which is a wonderful facility for our law enforcement, for those that are actually in the mental health capacity. Um, that Actually, the County of Orange has actually started a mental health services that we actually are looking for a location in South County to actually continue this because um, mental health, whether it's our youth during the pandemic or those of us that have been put out of the jobs or those that are homeless on the streets, mental health needs to be out there to get these off. Everybody wants to complain and, and, and gripe about people on their streets, homeless. Well, there is help for them and we've got to get them off the streets because it's not fair, it's not humane for people to be living under our bridges and dying. So it's important for us to stay involved. The County of Orange is committed to this and I know it's been a great addition to allowing the, the officers of Orange County to be able to take people off the street and get them to a mental health facility. And so um, it's a great facility and we're gonna to continue to expand on it, thank you. I would say after the pandemic too, there's probably not one person here who hasn't doesn't know somebody who really suffered, you know, during the pandemic and is suffering now. So this is really important. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it.
Okay, we're gonna move on to the consent calendar. All matters on the consent calendar are to be approved to one motion unless a council member, staff, or a member of the public requests a separate action on a specific item on the consent calendar. I'll entertain a motion to approve. So moved. Is there a second? Second. All in favor say aye. 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 Consent calendar is approved. Thank you very much. Moving on to public hearing items. There is none this evening. Moving on to 6.1, continued item. Design review for the Antonio Parkway Gateway Improvements Project. Ms. City Manager. Thank you very much, Madam Mayor, members of the City Council. I will be providing a brief presentation this, this evening. Uh, unfortunately, our City Engineer, Brendan Dugan, could not be here this evening due to an emergency. This project, as the council is very well aware, has been contemplated for many years as part of a citywide beautification effort. It improves the aesthetics of the community and modernizes the landscape and entry points to keep pace with newer developments and communities surrounding us. The council provided input on some preliminary concepts that were presented in June and staff and the consultants have taken that feedback and provided alternative designs that include those ideas that were provided by council. Three design concepts focused on the monument component of the project will be presented tonight along with preliminary 35% level cost estimates. The cost estimates for each of these designs includes an option to construct the parkway and an option to only proceed with the monument and median portions. A significant portion of the cost for all design options is the pavement of Antonio Parkway itself. And this is particularly notable because regardless of any project to construct any of the aesthetic improvements, Antonio Parkway is scheduled to be repaved, which accounts for these costs in fiscal year 24-25. And I believe that's about $1.3 million of the total costs that are in your agenda packet would be expended in any event in the very near future for repavement of, of Antonio Parkway. At the conclusion of the presentation, staff is seeking additional comment and feedback on the designs and direction to bring the item back with additional engineering and cost estimates based on the preferred option with refinements. At this time, I would like to call forward Patricia with Rick Engineering to present and describe the design options and plant palette relating to the monument and median components of the project. Thank you. Good evening. Thank you for being here. Good evening, Mayor and Council Members. Um, I'm going to just run through um, a couple of slides. This is one of those tasks that Brendan seamlessly does <laughs> behind the scenes from his seat that no one knows. He's the, the man behind the curtain, so to speak. Okay, so um, these um, first couple of uh, slides are kind of a repeat from the last time I, I was here presenting. I was here in May, May 11th. Um, so as you all know, we're tasked to design the entry monument, the, um, the median, and the parkway. Um, if you look at the image to the left and then off to the right a little bit, that's as you enter, enter the city and that's the proposed location for the entry monument. Uh, so we're tasked with uh, designing the median, the parkway, the entry monument, 
using native landscape and having a water efficient irrigation system. And you have an image here that's kind of the inspiration um, for our design. Um, that's at Alicia Parkway. And here you can see the, the type of lighting that we'll be proposing, the same type. This is some of the um, native plant material we're proposing. So this is, um, this is where we really got into the, the meat of the design, so to speak. So in July, um, I had all my staff get together and we did a, a design charrette. I don't know if you've heard the term charrette is, it means little cart in French. And um, the situation is where designers are intensely working on their design and, and they're working on it till the last minute and then they put it in the cart and submit it. And so we kind of did the same thing. Um, I gave a download to my staff, um, showed them the PowerPoint that we used in May, and um, you know gave them the, the topo, the topography of the site, showed them photos, and then I, I cut them loose and um, let them just kind of do whatever they thought would be um, an appropriate design for the entry monument. And so as you can see, um, the six people came up with very different designs. Um, with the help of staff, we narrowed it down to three, and that's what I'll be showing you this evening. So the first design, we call it the linear design, and the um, you can kind of see the, the dash line, so that's the, that's the grade of the slope. And so um, you see the two walls that are stacked, um, which was something that was mentioned at our last meeting, and, um, and they're par parallel to the roadway. You can see the, uh, the plan view that kind of shows the walls, how they're parallel. And so this is a refinement of the design. And so the design starts out kind of at grade, and then as it starts to curve, it becomes um, a retaining wall. And then this is the design, um, this is the visual simulation of what it would look like ultimately. And then we have concept B. And concept B is more of a curvilinear type of design. You can see off in the plan view where the design is kind of carving into um, the slope. And then it continues that curve and curves around a tree. And as we were working on the design, it became very apparent as we were doing the grading that you know, the, the concept with the two walls worked out a lot better for the grading to kind of minimize the height and the cost of the walls. So this design, as, as we worked on it, evolved, and so we put that second wall in there. And then here is, is your uh, visual simulation of um, concept B. And then concept C. So concept C started out with um, a bell tower. And, you know, when I first saw it, I thought, wow, this is, this is really strong. This looks good. Bell Tower's rather expensive. And so, um, you know, we took the bell tower out, and then the wall that was behind the bell tower, we moved it over in front of, um, in front of the wall that would have the signage on it. So you can see in the plan view of the sketch that, you know, it, it kind of is almost fighting with the slope. So... You know, it's it's one of the designs that we could still make it work, but we don't see it as one of the stronger um, designs at this point. And here's here's the view where you see the two 
um, the two walls, but you can kind of see those white lines. You can really see that it's it's really it's like at a forty five degree angle to the roadway. So it would require quite a bit of grading. And then this is the visual sim. So just going into a little bit more detail on the grading, you know, as I said, uh, the the walls they're parallel to one another. They're about five feet apart. There's um, there's five feet in between the top wall and the lower wall. So you would have a little bit of a slope in between those walls, but that kind of angles up the soil, and so you'd actually be able to see the plant material quite well. So I, I see that kind of an asset, not, a, not any kind of issue. Um, with this wall, again, um, the signage would be in, it would be the back wall, and it would be in between the two pilasters. And then you can see the grading, the uh, predominance of the grading is, is in the front part of that second wall. And then the third one, you know, once we started looking into it, the walls were, were pretty high, and we just didn't feel like this design was very strong, so we didn't, didn't take it any further. So we, we really feel like um, concept A and B are, are two strong concepts, and we'd like some feedback on which ones, you, what parts of it that you like, what you don't like. But let me just finish up the, uh, the presentation real fast. So the median, um, originally we were talking about having pilasters in the median, and you, you have people going, you know, about 35, 40 miles an hour on that roadway. With the, the shrubs that you're going to have in the trees, we just really felt like you weren't going to see the pilasters that much. So, you know, as a cost-cutting measure, you know, we, we felt that those could be removed and it wouldn't really impact the design a whole lot. Here's some of the plant palette for the median. And then the other um, item that we have to discuss is the parkway. So I, I believe we're pretty clear on the direction as far as the design, but the one thing that we need some feedback on is um, what material you wanted to use. So we showed you the woodcrete, which is basically a concrete, and then we, you know, we also showed you um, actual wood. The, the woodcrete is about 30% more going in, but it's pretty much maintenance-free. And wood, I mean, we all know wood is something that needs to be painted pretty regularly. So um, we really recommend the woodcrete. Um, at our office in San Diego, where I'm located, uh, we've had woodcrete, a woodcrete fence for over 20 years, and it, it looks as good as it did the day that it was installed, and there's really no maintenance to it. So it's a little bit more expensive in the beginning, but we, we think, you know, in the long run, you're going to save money. So these are the things that we'd like to get some feedback on, the, um, you know, which of the options you want us to move forward with, we can get some closure on the, the type of material on the parkway, that would be good. And then also um, deleting the pilasters from the median. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, we'll go to questions and discussion. Councilman Rubio. Uh, thank you. <clears throat> thank you, Madam Mayor. And, and thank you. Um, I want to compliment you on a job really well done. I think your designs are just excellent and it's a really beautiful job. Um, I would agree with you relative to starting at the monument sign. Uh, I was definitely drawn more to uh, A and B, and personally, I liked A the best. Um, 
I noted you pointed out that you believe that's the op op optimal design for the location. When I look at the shape of the sign, it reminds me, in, in as far as the actual shape with the curvature at the top, it reminds me of what we have at the Alicia T, our gateway that's already up there. Um, I just think it looks beautiful. And um, <clears throat> that it, that would that's the one I would vote for. I loved it. Um, as to the medians, I, I have no problem deleting the pilasters from that. Not only does it save a substantial amount of money, but uh, as you pointed out, they're not going to be that visible when you're cruising down that street at 35 or 40 or more. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, the landscaping that will be there will help soften the area and, and beautify it, and I think that uh, that's all we would really need there. And as to the parkway, I think the initial investment of the wood crete is worth the investment because of the lack of maintenance. What, what's the uh, useful life of that? Is it perpetual? The Pretty? wood crete? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean. You're not going to get termites. Does it ever wear out? Uh, you know, concrete. We have some concrete that's, you know, hundreds of years old. So, um, you know, I'm just looking at what we have installed, and I it just it, it hasn't really aged. Other than maybe the patina gets a little, you know, uh, different colors, which I think just makes it look nicer. But no, it should it should last longer than any of us. Yeah. So I would support the woodcrete, and I'd love to see the entire program move forward. I think the time is now. You know, this is a long-term capital investment in the in the city. It's an investment in our city. Uh, I think when we make investments like this, we increase the fair market value of property throughout our community. I think we increase the sense of civic pride that our homeowners and business owners would feel as they come and go from our city. Um, obviously, when you put the name of the city bold like this, you, you put it on the map, and people that aren't familiar with the area, they know where they are when they drive into this city. Mm -hmm. They have it now with one entrance. This would be the other entrance to our city. And I think we also always need to be cognizant of the fact that, you know, we're the first city of the new millennium, but we've been around for a while now. We need to keep up with the beautiful uh, newer neighbors that we have. And I look at some of the improvements that have been made by some of our neighbors. We should be taking that into account. Um, Mission Viejo did a tremendous job with their Crown Valley Parkway improvements. Laguna Niguel has a gorgeous new community center. Aliso Viejo created and constructed the ranch, which is a gorgeous big investment for their facility. Just look around Rancho Mission Viejo. The entire area is brand new, beautifully landscaped with similar type improvements. And even Ladera Ranch, um, they've got big signs like this putting themselves on the map on the same street. So uh, we have the money. I think the time is now and compliment you once again for a job well done. Thank you very much. Councilmember McGurr. Thank you. I agree with most of what Mr. or Councilmember Beale said. I frankly like B better than A, but I knew I had to disagree with him somewhere. But I frankly like them both, A and B. A does look a lot like what we have, the Alicia T. B looks a lot like what's in Dove Canyon as you approach Dove Canyon um, with the round, um, the tree in the round area like that. But um, I, I've been of the opinion for a while now 
that um, we should get going on the median. Um, I, I, we've talked about it for a while, and you've heard me talk about uh, Cruz Melendez and the accident that he had that resulted in the loss of his leg. That happened on Antonio. Now, that was a little different because somebody did hit this very small median by Cañada Vista Park, which led to the accident. So I'm not sure a median would have stopped that particular accident, but it just, it just illuminates the point that we have a curved road where um, our sheriffs, our, our sheriff deputies work so hard to make sure people slow down there, but still they continue to go at a high rate of speed. And uh, we'll continue to try to stop that from happening. But it does curve, and um, I really I agree with Councilmember Beal. Now is the time to do something about it. We're the community is desirous of a median there, uh, a nice looking median, not just one that's with stamped, you know, faux, faux brick, but something with trees and that looks nice with lighting to set our city apart from the other communities like Las Flores, which is, some people don't understand, that is not part of Rancho Santa Margarita. So um, I, I agree that this is the time to do something. We talked last time about the plants and how they're drought resistant and whatnot. We certainly want to keep up with that. We don't want to do anything that's going to require a lot of water. Mm -hmm. um, so um, I'm good with either A or B. I think they both look really good, and I would, ag again, compliment you as well on turning your people loose to to come up with some really good ideas based on what we also talked about last time. So um, I would agree we don't need the, the, the pillasters in the middle of the media necessarily. People are flying by, and that in and of themselves, they might even be dangerous for drivers if they were to inadvertently strike the curb and go up on the median. So, um, and I, finally, I would agree, I, I, we don't need to be painting wood every, every year. Um, anything we can do. I know it's more expensive to use the other material, but I think that's the way to go. But again, compliment, you know, kudos to the, the design concept. I think we've talked about where it would go. I think we've kind of settled on this one location compared to the prior location that was brought up with us before. So, um, you know, I know we need to talk about the finances and whatnot. We have additional funds coming from other sources uh, that we can uh, tap into, I hope. So, um, I'm in favor of moving along on this project. Thank you very much. Councilman McGamble. Thank you, Madam Mayor. It's lovely to see you again. Thank you for, thank you for your uh, work product here. I want to talk a little bit about a couple of things uh, that, uh, to bring us back to concerns that we had in our last meeting. And one was the location of the Edison light poles. And can we see what this uh, location and the, over, the various overlays, how they are uh, interacting with the light poles in the area. Because I think there's one right in front of this. So we have to either clarify that or make sure that we are coordinating with Edison and uh, likely we will bear the cost to move that light pole. Yeah, so um, the last time we talked, I, I think we were talking about trying to get it right in the middle, so it's not real close. So dead center to that between light pole. the two. Yeah. So are we will, in your opinion, will there be shadowing on the monument sign from the light post that is in front of it, or uh, will we have to shroud that? 
I'd like to look into that a little bit sure. more. Yeah. I appreciate someone say, I, that's my favorite answer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, rather than, you know, MSU. Yeah. Um, so, I knew you um, regarding uh, the, the uh, just the design concept, one of the things that I'm hoping that we can capitalize on with the larger tree specimens is to lift them slightly, perhaps. We know these are gonna be you know, substantial footings for this wall and uh, some significant grading. If we can lift the three specimen trees in the back of it just slightly higher, mm -hmm. I think we'd get a little more bang for our buck in the price of those trees. Uh, I'd like to direct, I haven't picked, picked one, I'm not um, tremendously attached to one, but I know one that I'm not attached to, and that's C. That's just not, you know, kind of just not doing it for me either. Yeah. Um, one of the challenges that we had on the Alicia T monument was actually the lighting of the letters, and I want to make sure, although we're a bit in the weeds, we had some issues with uplighting the sign because then it casts a shadow on the lettering, and it made the letters appear duplicative. So what we ended up having to do was uh, get some custom lighting along the edge of that sign. So I want to draw this to your attention. Make sure that your lighting consultant is well aware of that, and they may want to go to the Alicia T. In the cost estimate, I noticed there was no uh, soil preparation, soil amendment. Um, this is probably really hard soil, so it's going to need an minimum gypsum and a substantial amount of it. Yeah, because it's just, you know, it's a big clay pot out there. Um, so we might want to add, you know, soil preparation. Absolutely. Uh, lastly, by preference, and I'll you know, defer to the majority of the council, I'd like some color differentiation. I like the blue or the purple, but not both together. So um, a bougainvillea perhaps in a different color other than the purple. My concern is it'll become too homogenous, you know, with okay. the terrain. Uh, it's always nice to have something colorful, but not garish. Um, and uh, lastly, looking at uh, the cost, I, I'd like to find out a little bit more, and I think this may be challenging uh, with Brendan not here this evening. Um, please send, send him our best. Um, what is the phasing and the timing for this if we did just the uh, entry monument design, or entry monument construction project, or we added all three phases, and would you do them all simultaneously? Would these be you know, phase between the median, the parkway, and the monument. And I'm thinking, you know, disruption to the area, the residents that live in the area, is it better to make it, you know, complete, you know, somewhat um, disrupted out there all at one time? You know, it's a shorter duration for that. And so, um, which then um, leads me to comment on the cost, because if the cost is projected in three phases over a period of time, Stephanie's smiling at me. I caught you smiling at me, Ms. Finance Director, um, that uh, the, cost, the cost will need to be escalated for the out years. Um, those are the thoughts that come immediately to my mind. And to somewhat address, I don't have the full answer, and, and um, but I do know that 
just logistically speaking, I do not believe all three phases could be done in one fiscal year just from a timing standpoint going out to bid and construction, especially given we are still experiencing significant supply chain issues mm -hmm. uh, and everything seems to take longer than, than we anticipate. That's, that's the first part of the answer. The second part of the answer is we would be relying on the use of some of our special funds, mm -hmm. particularly for the roadway as well as the median and we only receive so many, it's a cash flow issue for those right. funds, and we only receive so much per year. So at the very minimum, some of those things would need to be phased over a two-year period. Beyond that, I would defer to Brendan to provide us a better estimate of the time frame for that. But at least a two-year phasing would be, uh, at least mm -hmm. straddling two fiscal years would be preferred. Or maybe, you know, include infrastructure for medians when we do the sign because, you know, we're going to excavate for electricity and irrigation, et cetera. Something. Correct. And I have one last, you know, this is, this is the techno geek comment. If you go, um, I'm focusing on uh, entry monument A and the orientation of the curve. You have a drawing that looks like, The suspense is building, right? Um, if you go back to your overhead schematic drawing of yeah. that, of a this uh, one, okay. yeah, yeah, okay. So when I look at this drawing, a significant amount of that sign is actually parallel to the roadway, and when I look at the the graphic of it superimposed onto the hill, I don't gain a sense that the orientation is the same. So before we fall in love with something, I want to make sure that this picture is technically that picture because mm -hmm. it's going to affect our grading and it's going to affect the view line of, of the name of the city. So this isn't going to work if you see Ta Margarita as you're driving at, you know, the, at significant speed up Antonio, I have concern about that. Now at Alicia T, for the most part, uh, the majority of people, at least in, in two directions or one direction, come to a stop. I'm sorry, at least in one direction, yeah. come to a full stop. So it's important to be able to see the entire city's name. And I'm concerned when I look at this, when I superimpose the spacing of the city's name onto this, I'm going to see maybe Santa Margarita, but I think I'm really going to see Ta Margarita uh, coming down the street. So I'd like to, to bring that to your immediate attention and uh, make sure that you are confirming and affirming and promising uh, that I will see the entire name of the city day and night when I travel at the speed limit on uh, Antonio Parkway. Thank so you. That's yeah. all I have, Madam Mayor. I'd just like to mm -hmm. comment. And, sure. You know, um, I think this will increase your comfort level. Okay. So um, as we've been talking about the grading and working on this, um, one of the options we have is to take that curve and make it less tight. Mm -hmm. And so you're flattening it out. Right. So, you know, I could see I could see that move. Yeah. Move that one anchor back, and mm -hmm. then the, the 
move that move the whole plane that way and yeah. and move the um, the top pilaster back mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, that gives you more more space. It's a long name. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Says that. A, a fun fact, when I first moved here in 1988, they sent my mail uh, out of the country. Um, so it's, uh, we really appreciate the fact that the United States Post Office now delivers it to, to the city of Rancho Santa Margarita. Thank you. Thank you, Councilmember Gamble. Mayor Pro Tem. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Just a few questions. Um, would you go, do you have a, a, a slide here in reference to the location? Again, I know we, last presentation in May you had that. Is that part of your package here? Um, well, let's see. So that's an aerial, and uh, that that might be the, the existing roadway. That's the best picture we're going to have. Okay. Yeah. So, are we talking about on the? <laughs> Far side of the little yellow sign on the utility pole, or between the nearest utility pole, the near, two nearest utility poles, right there across from the existing sign. Yes. Okay. Or the old existing sign. Yeah. Okay, so that's where it is between mm -hmm. those two poles. Right. And I didn't hear you, you, the answer to your question about the lighting. Um, what was that again? About at back. night. What? what, um, what I said I was going to look into that more. Okay. Yeah. It was a good question, and, and uh, that it's not obviously a distraction. To people driving, I don't know if that's part of what your design is, or that has to come from another entity. I'm not sure, but certainly like to hear more about that. What was the plan for? Is it up lighting on that? I, I actually don't remember. What was the plan for lighting this at night? It's similar to what you have at Alicia Parkway. So okay, same thing. yeah, that's right. That's right. Thank you. A question about the funding, and I know we have it on page five here. Um, the available restricted funds that you have listed, um, and it's under the, the category of roadway. Can you, Jennifer, could you define that a little bit more, or the, that, what that actually, it sounds simple, but is it, how does that apply to what we're, what we're looking at here tonight? And because the rest of it is, is gonna be out of our general funds, right? Right, so those re restricted funds, gas tax, uh, RMRA, and Measure M can be used for specific purposes related to uh, roadway construction and appurtenances related to the roadway. So there's portions of the median that we have an NA here, but I know that there's portions of the median when we're constructing the roadway that we can utilize some of those funds for. And then the actual uh, repavement of the roadway can utilize these funds. We do use these funds for other purposes. So as we get further into the discussion and next time when we come back, we'll have a full funding plan for you to evaluate but it will require that if we use the funds for Antonio Parkway, it means that we can't use those funds for some other projects that we normally would do. Now, having said that, we were anticipating doing Antonio Parkway in the future anyway, so it may just be a shuffling of when we were going to use those funds. Uh, certain road projects, we may need to flip-flop some things or, or re-plan the timing of certain projects to be able to do that. But those funds are restricted toward roadway, maintenance, paving, and sidewalk curb and gutter. Uh, some of the median work can be used. So of that number you have on there, a million three twenty-five. Um, let's say the total cost was the very most expensive, you know, the four million hundred sixty thousand. It's not to say that that one three two five would 
we wouldn't get all of that, correct? Well, because it, it encompasses more than. It, and at this point, I know Stephanie and I have talked about this in advance of this meeting, and she has a better picture where the numbers add up than I do off the top of my head. So I'm going to turn it over to uh, Stephanie. Thank you, Ms. City Manager. Um, so I'm just looking at what our seven-year CIP section is for this particular project. I may not have the same numbers exactly that you guys may have. Um, I guess what it kind of boils down to is the more we pull the project forward, most likely we would have to um, allocate more general fund because um, the road, the gas tax, the RMRA, they only they come on a yearly basis. Some things are already, um, some of it's already accounted for um, in the process and it's a cash, like um, city manager mentioned, it's a cash flow issue. So it de kind of depends how quickly you want to pull it forward and how much um, general fund you would like to allocate towards the project. And then from there, um, we would just budget accordingly and use it. We would use as much of the special revenue as we could, but we have to balance it out with other projects that are um, important also and, and need to be done. So when we, excuse me, when you come back with this again after the input tonight, then we'll have a much better picture of the financial structure. Right. So a couple of things will happen between now and when this comes back. So uh, Patricia and Rick Engineering are going to address all of the final remaining issues and come up with, you know, what making sure it's structural, making sure that that the grading is appropriately accounted for and all of the things that we've discussed here today uh, and incorporate that into a design and also take the next level of cost estimates, which would give us a better idea of, of the cost. So this is a 35% level cost estimate. It's it's not exact. And of course, everything is changing as, as time goes on. So we will have a better cost estimate. It still won't be at a 95% level cost estimate, but it will be a lot more refined than what we have here. And then we can look at the available funding that we have. We, we have an idea of what's coming in in the next couple of years, but we would have a recommended action as to what the appropriate timing would be, balancing that with all of the other uh, CIP projects that the council has pr prioritized as well. I, I would imagine it's going to be staff's recommendation that we look at at least a two-year phasing by the time this gets finalized, final design, the council approves the plans and specifications, we go out to bid, we probably are you know, easily um, nine months away, if not longer, to, to awarding a contract. So we're looking at collecting those funds over the next several years and how we allocate those. And we would come up with, this is how much of the general fund would be needed if you use the, if you do the project in this period, this is how much it would be if we do it in this period. And, and we'll have that at the next level. <coughs> Excuse me, thank you for that. In order of preference here, the parkway improvement to me is the, is the last on the list for me, if money, and money certainly is always an issue, um, but I took some comfort in that this will probably be happening over two fiscal years, if not more, depending on um, what you come up with next meeting, because I, I do have concerns. I, you know, certainly a lot of money. Um, fortunately, we have been looking at this for quite some time and felt that we were in a position to move forward with this because of the city's 
uh, strong financial situation. So I certainly want to move forward with it. Um, I look forward to having more discussion at, at the next presentation. Um, if on the subject of delaying the parkway improvements, if financially just didn't fit our needs and how that plays out, if they could almost be separated, let's just say, you know, we want to make this a three-year project. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, when you bid out a project, but you can't bid out a project today that you want built in three years, and no one's going to give you a bid, correct? Well, one of the things you could do is you can have add alternates. Mm -hmm. So you could have the, the entry monument and the median in your base bid, and then you could, you know, as a minimum, you would get a fee. You'd find out what it would cost to do the parkway as well. So that's kind of what I would recommend. Talk a little bit about, um, I know you're talking about drought-tolerant plants in the median. What kind of infrastructure is it going to take to keep them for the, to, those to be watered? Well, we're, you know, we're talking about a real efficient irrigation system. We can go with a drip system. I've, I've been using drip for many, many years. And, you know, it's a point source. So you literally are only watering the plants. You're not throwing the water all over the place. So we so. can see a day where when it's raining, those sprinklers won't be on. Because there aren't any sprinklers, we won't be wasting water. Precisely, but you could you also so you know the, some of the equipment's actually pretty sophisticated. So um, the the controllers that you have are weather based now. Mm -hmm. So when it starts raining, they just they shut down. They shut down the valves. Right, and I know we've talked about a lot about that last meetings, but the least amount of water we can use. Obviously, everybody's on yeah. board with that, mm -hmm. and keeping that in mind that it just. You know, a drought is coming. I mean, the drought's here, but the water rationing, I think, is coming ultimately. I want to be prepared for that. Mm -hmm. um, more specifically, I agree. I think we can hold off on the pilasters. I don't know that that's... Because um, either whatever we do here is going to be spending a lot of money. Um, I do like... Going, we'll go back to your, your options, A, B, C, the pictures here, if you would, for just a second. This is A. Yeah, that's A. I, I do like A. And, and for everybody's benefit, we look at these things, what we like, but we, it's overridden by what we think the general public, the residents would like. Um, and we hope between now and then there's some input. Um, and I think the residents trust us to make decisions for them, and that's part of this. And because this is so consistent with other, of our other monuments, uh, as much as it can be, they're all have a certain flavor to them. Um, you know, unfortunately, the best-looking one is the most expensive one, but um, once we get those numbers in front of us at the next meeting, I think we can have more detailed conversation, but I do like that option, um, and I look forward to having more conversation at the next presentation about the parkway. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor Pro Tem. Just a couple of questions, and then I'll go into my comments. Um, just wanted to talk about these three beautiful trees and the mature ones, and I think that was uh, such a wonderful thing that um, I think Councilmember Campbell talked about um, at our last meeting on this. Um, we, on the Alicia T. Monument, we, um, of course, do all the holiday decorations there every year, which people so enjoy. Um, are we, our plans to include additional electrical um, here for adding holiday decorations to this monument as well? 
I don't know if yeah. you can answer that or if Jennifer can answer that. There, there will be electrical to power the lights. Uh, I don't know if it's sufficient for the others, but it's something that we can look at and come back with. And the sprinkler controller. Correct. Mm -hmm. I think that'd be a great idea to, mm -hmm. to add additional electrical mm -hmm. for those things. That's a good one, Anne. And those three mature trees, um, which I know are you know not inexpensive, um, would just be beautiful. You know, um, lighting those up as well as adding holiday decorations on there. And can you talk a little bit about the fencing? Um, I think you know we all agree wood fencing probably would not be. The way to go, just because of maintenance issues. But um, can you talk about where the fencing would start and where it would end, and what our approximate linear footage, linear footage would be, and how long um, that's going to go, where it's going to start, and where it's going to end? Okay. Uh, let's see. So, um, just looking at the entry monument, it would start about ten feet, you know, um, away from the um, from the entry monument, and then it's. Um, I mean, it's kind of up to all of you how far you want it to go, but the, you know, the idea is that it goes all the way up to um, the development. So, but you know, I mean, there's if you if you have a certain you know desire to stop it at a different point, we certainly can do that. Um, but the intention was for it to be the whole length of you know that that area is kind of that's you see the. The slope and it's undeveloped, so it would be that whole length, and it would be the fencing, and then it would be, you know, um, a, a strip of landscape adjacent to it. I think it'd be helpful for our next meeting if maybe we could see an elevation um, with the fencing mm -hmm. on it, and where you would start it, and and where it would end, and if it's going to go all the way to La Cunada Park, or if it's going to end before that. I think I that'd believe, be great. I believe the fencing was only on the opposite side of the street. It wasn't on the same side of the street as the monument's on. Right. Just just right. on the other side? Yeah, just on both. the other okay. side. Okay, okay, all right. right. Okay, perfect. And then um, the pilasters, I'm in total agreement with everybody on that. Um, I really loved uh, all of our comments last time in terms of, you know, building this into the hillside. Um, of course, you know, adding additional electrical. And, um, you know, this is such an important area. Uh, our southern entrance, you know, to the city on Antonio. So I, I'm really anxious to get this project going. I, I'm worried about inflationary factors. Mm -hmm. You know, what it looks like today, um, what does it look like, you know, nine months from now? Um, you know, are we still even looking at these same costs? So um, I'm particularly anxious to to get this moving. And I am agree with, I think, most of my colleagues, I think all my colleagues, that Design A, um, I think, is best represents what we've already done at the Alicia T and um, is the most welcoming as well. So those are my comments. Madam um, Mayor, yes. I, I'm sorry. Councilmember McCampbell. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Uh, one thing came to mind, and that was the discussion regarding cost and the uh, conversation about the use of the general fund, uh, general funds as a funding source. I think it's important for our residents to know and anyone here or anyone listening that this project has been contemplated for several years and actually uh, the funds that we would be used does not come directly from our general fund for our daily operations. It's actually funds that we've amassed and saved for this project in our reserves. And so putting you on the spot, uh, Ms. Turner, if you could just opine for a moment on the amount of reserves that we have amassed in relation to our annual city budget 
uh, depicting the savings that we have uh, in the city. Um, yes, I, I can do that. Um, on a very, uh, it's unaudited numbers. I like to just stress that because we're in the middle of the year-end audit. But um, we anticipate um, ending fiscal year 21-22 at approximately, hopefully, 27 million. If I have this right, and then when we get through 22, 23, we'd be down to around 26, just based on projects mm -hmm. and different things that have um, been planned. As far as our um, our annual budget, um, this 22, 23, we're estimating to spend um, for general fund about 22 million. So we have more than one year's annual operating costs in the bank. <laughs> in our general fund and it's four projects like this that we have saved up for instead of driving the city into debt. So I think that's important for the residents and, and to know and businesses to know that this is a contemplated project over the course of many years. The second thing I have to say about cost is I'd like to see a proposed value engineer, value engineering from a design standpoint um, concept. For example, if we minimize the uh, stone on the two sides, no one likes something that isn't the prettiest or the most, you know, lovely. But there becomes a cost, you know, versus a benefit to it. And so I, I think we're, we have the money for this, we've saved the money for this, but I would like to see places where maybe we can increase the size of the, the blank space where Rancho Santa Margarita goes, take the stone down by you know, two or three layers, maybe um, have you know, st uh, maybe stucco at the base of the front of the front wall and do two-thirds of it with stone. There's a number of ways I think we can achieve um, a more cost-effective look, especially as the vegetation grows in front of it. You're not going to see the stone all the way down to the earth. So I can see some places where, mm -hmm. you know, we can um, begin to cut some costs here and, and trim it down a little bit. The back side um, of the wall. I've oh done yeah, that before. yeah, yeah. You know. I'm hoping. Yeah. I, if we if we put stone on the back side of the wall, I'm the happiest girl in the world tonight because this estimate's going to come down. Um, yes, yes, that's uh, that's great. That's, that's actually that's terrific to hear. And I, I think my colleagues, and knowing them as well as I do, they are so mindful and, and fiscally uh, conservative and, and mindful how they spend money, even though we have saved for it. So I don't want to give the wrong impression, even though that we've saved for this for a long period of time, we have the money in reserves, um, but we would like to, to kind of VE a little bit of the, the more extravagances. Mm -hmm. I, I'm just I'm saying this for myself. Thank you very much, Madam Mayor. Any other comments tonight? On this issue, okay. So thank you so much for being here. Does everybody feel like they have, does uh, staff as, as well as our, our guests tonight feel like they have everything they need to to move yes. forward? Yes, yes. Okay. thank you for, for your time. Wonderful, appreciate thank it. you so much for being here. We appreciate it. Okay, we're gonna be moving on to new business. 7.1, reallocation of community development block grant coronavirus program funds. And that is Ms. Kuda. Thank Good you, evening. Madam Mayor. Our CDBG consultant, Mike Linares, is here to make a presentation tonight. 
Good evening, Mike. How are you? Good to see you. Good evening, Mayor, members of City Council. I have a short PowerPoint. Thank you. So very briefly, uh, Council, um, the city is a recipient of the Community Development Block Grant Coronavirus uh, Funding, CDBGCV. Uh, CDBGCV was authorized under the CARES Act of 2020. Uh, all CDBGCV funding must be used to uh, meet an eligible activity under the CDBG program, but also to prevent, prepare for, or respond to local impacts of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. The city received funding in two rounds uh, for a total of $410,749. Over the, uh, with the council allocated those funds in two, two different, uh, <clears throat> two different uh, council meetings, uh, this pie chart kind of shows how those funds are currently allocated. So approximately 4.2% for program administration, uh, about 85,000 or 20, a little over 20% for business assistance uh, grants that were provided in 2020. And then the bulk of the funding has been allocated for public service grants. Um, I was sitting in on a conference call this morning with HUD. It was for the all of Southern California grantees. And they highlighted how cities have been spending the money nationally. And the cities basically around the same, the bulk of the funding is going to public services and then uh, about an equal amount going for, for local business support. So the city is, is using the funding pretty consistent how the rest of the country is using the funds. The city is required to expend at least 80% of the funds within three years. Um, that three-year window uh, will come on June 24th, 2023, so it's quickly approaching. Uh, six years to spend 100% of the funds. Through the end of last fiscal year, uh, the city was at 58.6% expenditure rate. So pretty close. Uh, there's still some funding to, to be expended to meet that 80% by the end of the fiscal year. Uh, in late August, early September, received a letter. Actually, we had, con had a conversation with all the subrecipients about whether they were going to be able to spend their funding as we saw the, the due date coming quickly. Uh, as, a, as a result of that, Families Forward, who had received funding to provide rental assistance, utility assistance um, to residents, followed up with a letter saying that they were, had encountered difficulties um, serving community residents, and they were going to return $60,000 of the funding to the city. Um, that was a pretty big chunk of change, so we tried to look for activities that we could quickly move the money to, still met the requirements of CDVG, also had to prevent, prepare, respond to COVID, and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, um, so, um, excuse me, so that's, uh, we came up with the recommendations that are before you this evening. Uh, basically, uh, 21300 uh, to purchase a new freezer that will support the meals, pro uh, senior meals programs that operate out of the Bell Tower Foundation. Another $20,000 to HWL Senior Services to help support their food purchase for their Meals on Wheels program. Um, their numbers still continue to be high, even though uh, so the pandemic has kind of uh, tampered down a little bit. Uh, but there's still some resistance for seniors returning to this congregate meal program. So their numbers are still relatively elevated. Additionally, uh, we're recommending $12,500 for the RSM CARES, the um, uh, food bank program that's operated by the Bell Tower Foundation. 
And then some additional money for administration since this uh, grant's gonna run at least another two, three years and we'll end up having to do a, a grant closeout. Uh, this bar chart basically reflects those minor adjustments. Basically, we're looking at increasing funding for seniors about 10%. Uh, the prevention, that's rental assistance, utility assistance. Right now, three agencies, Families Forward, Family Assistance Ministries, and South County Outreach are providing those services. So this takes into account the 60000 that Families Forward is returning. So it's, slightly, it's about a 14.5% reduction in funding for that activity. Um, activity for low, low and moderate income people, that's basically the food bank program, will go up about 3%. Uh, we're not recommending any additional funding for business grants, so that's staying level, and then it's a, about a 1.5% increase in administration uh, overall if council authorizes the reallocation as proposed. So that's uh, my, my presentation. Um, i be happy to answer any questions, but basically we are asking council to uh, approve the recommendation to reallocate the 60,000. Yeah. Great, Mike, thank you for being here tonight. Questions for Mike, discussion? Yes, Mayor Proton. Thank you, Mike. Um, it, this, what Families Forward is doing here, is this uncommon in your in your experience? Um, Mayor Pro Tem, it, it isn't, it isn't. I think everybody's a, struggling a little bit with the CDBG CV funding, especially, I mean everybody, all the other cities that I work with. As we move farther away from the peak of the pandemic, um, it's becoming a little bit more difficult. A lot of challenges, especially for those um, uh, rental assistance programs uh, were encountered early on in the pandemic when additional funding from the federal government came down it, through the county. A lot of those funds had shorter timelines, so our CDBG funding got put on the sidelines, and then now they're coming back to it. Um, so um, two of the other cities I work with were in the process. In fact, Mission Viejo just reallocated some money on Monday night for this purpose, and I have a feeling another one of my cities will be doing the same thing in the near future because it's just becoming a little bit of a challenge at this point. Could you go back to the slide that you, you have the, um, <clears throat> that? The, uh, and typically this is a, a process where we have residents come in and, and make decisions, and this process wasn't that. Um, how did you arrive at these, what was the process to get to these numbers? Um, thank you for asking that question, Mayor Pro Tem. Um, again, we, what, I, what we were looking at was who was still out, who still had needs. Number one, we contacted all the agencies that we typically work with and said, if we have some additional CDBGCV funding, can you use it? Many of them said, several of them I should say, said no, they already had sufficient funding. There's also another pot of money that's out there called the American Recovery Plan that is, has these timelines. And many of the agencies I spoke to said, we're getting pressure to spend that money as well, so we can't take any more of your CDBGCV funding. So we kind of really looked at those agencies that we knew had still had a need um, and that could spend these relatively large amounts of money in this abbreviated period, basically nine-month period. Who was on the, uh, the group that made this decision here? What that staff was that? It it's primarily uh, Development Services Director, myself, and uh, our consultant. And the reason I ask that is if anybody were to question this process, because it's that didn't involve residents, I have complete confidence in our staff to make these decisions um, under, I assume, somewhat of an unusual circumstance, an entity actually giving money back. So I, is it something, the, the timeliness of them returning this money, do you think it's reasonable that there's something they could have done a while ago, or...? 
this is a timely move? I think it was actually, a, a, to be honest, a result of, of me reaching out to, to the agencies, uh, probably around the beginning of the calendar year, about January, I started calling people when we saw how much funding they were still holding on to, to ask the question, are you going to be able to spend these, fu these funds? With the three agencies that are doing the rental assistance, utility assistance, um, South County Outreach and Families Forward, the last two quarters of the year, once the mor rent moratorium went away, a lot of people started coming saying, hey, we're behind on our rent, we need assistance. So the last like, four months, there was significant expenditure in some of this, this funding. They, Families Forward seemed to be the only one that was having trouble finding or linking up with Rancho Santa Margarita families. Thank you. And one of the reasons I wanted to bring this forward too is there's so much scrutiny and criticism of government spending at, at every level, and I just wanted to bring this forward to show that this process it works and our developmental services department, Mike and everybody who's part of this uh, really vets this out. So this isn't, none of this is taken lightly. This is a substantial amount of money and uh, I commend you for the process you went through to get here. Thank you. Ms. City Manager. Mayor Pertem, I'd also like to add that um, because the CDBG process, including the CDBG CV process, is such an involved uh, application period. Normally when we do a regular CDBG, we offer uh, an application. They have to meet certain criteria. We enter into agreements with each of them. And because of the abbreviated time frame, particularly for this funding, we went with the organizations that we've already been working with that are already under contract with us. And if we would have gone out to seek new partners that had never been part of this process, it, we likely would not have been able to effectuate those agreements and get those projects up and running before they had to spend the time or spend the money. That's a great point because every one of these entities, these organizations, has been vetted out by our public. So um, I appreciate the process. Thank you. Any other comments or questions for Mike tonight over here? Councilmember Beal? Nothing tonight. Um, Mike, thank you for being here, first of all. And um, I think the way that you proportioned out this available amount of money now really represents um, the Rancho community, our residents. Um, I think you did a great job in doing this. So appreciate you making the phone calls and finding out where everybody was spending wise. And uh, we appreciate you being here. So I'll entertain a motion. So moved. Is there a second? I'll second it. All in favor say aye. 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 Thank motion you. carries. Thank, Thank you, you Mike. Okay, moving on to our last public comments portion of the agenda. This is the time to address the City Council on any matter not listed on the agenda that is within the subject matter jurisdiction of the City Council. Public comments are limited to three minutes per person. This segment of the public comments portion of the agenda shall not exceed a total of 15 minutes. I do have a public speaker card this evening, uh, Judy Bullocks. Come on up, Judy. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Good evening, Madam Mayor and uh, council members, staff, and audience. Uh, my name is Judy Bullockis, and I am uh, a trustee on the Capistrano Unified School District. I have lived in Mission Viejo for 27 years, and my husband and I had two children who went through Capistrano School District from first to 12th grade. I'm up for re-election in November, and uh, after serving five years, uh, I was appointed 
for 18 months and then elected after running unopposed for a four-year term. I would like to continue serving um, and in doing so, providing innovative learning experiences in the classroom once again. While our focus is on academics for student success, we have a need to address the social, emotional well-being of our young people today. It is not an overstatement to say that mental health, we have a crisis among our children. Students dealing with emotional trauma cannot, uh, in their lives, um, cannot focus on learning while they're in school. We are caring for the whole child. We have additional counselors, trainings, programs, wellness centers in our schools to support these students. We've created social, emotional, mindfulness programs to restore healthy learning for our students. So after spending five years uh, a term on the school board, two and a half were nothing but within COVID turmoil. I was board president for 2021, navigating lots of constant discussions, planning, circumstances changing regularly, sometimes daily with COVID. I look forward to supporting our educators in providing meaningful educational classroom experiences again. Field trips, music programs, uh, sports again. My goal is to diversify opportunities, provide innovation, and to preserve and protect community values in our schools. Students, families, and parental involvement will always come first with me. I support conservative and traditional values, and I am not beholden to union special interests. Parents see me attending school events, ceremonies, back to school night, graduation with Councilman McGuire, uh, McGear. Close Mc enough. <laughs> uh, for the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy applauding students' successes, and I'm hands-on, I'm very involved, and I will answer and address concerns. So I ask for your vote, and I wanted to bring awareness to the Rancho Santa Margarita families uh, that I would like to continue on the school board, and we would like to continue our conservative efforts in getting more school board members with that like-mindedness, and I thank you for your time. Thank you, Judy, for being here. I appreciate it. Amy, do we have any other public speaker cards tonight from anybody? There are none. Okay, thank you. Moving on to city manager report, Mr. Vontes. I just wanted to report that uh, late last week we received notification that our housing element was certified by uh, the State Housing and Community Development Department. We were the sixth in Orange County to receive such certification. And I also wanted to note that we read in the newspaper today that there are more cities that are being sued for not having their uh, housing elements certified. So. We feel very fortunate that we received that certification. Thank you. Thank you very much. Matters presented by mayor and city council members, committee assignment reports. First one tonight is the Foothill Eastern Transportation Corridor Agencies, Council Member Beale. Uh, thank you, Madam Mayor. Not a lot of real high profile things to report from our last meeting. Uh, one thing I will highlight is we did receive our annual customer service report. And that was good news. Um, our staff produces an annual customer service report to just kind of measure how our customers uh, feel about the service that we provide to them. And it was good news. 
Um, the TC re- received an overall customer satisfaction rating of 4.5 out of 5. Um, the key element of that and the thing that really gets people's attention is wait times when they call for assistance. And the average wait time was just 2 minutes, 34 seconds, which is a decrease of 40 seconds from the previous fiscal year. So uh, we're doing our best to be a user-friendly, customer-service-oriented agency. And um, the measurements suggest that we're doing a pretty good job at that. Thank you very much. Thank you, Councilmember Beal. Okay, moving on to our next committee assignment report, Orange County Fire Authority, Councilmember Gamble. Thank you very much, Madam Mayor. As I mentioned earlier in the evening, I had the pleasure of uh, joining my whole family in a family celebration. I was unable to attend OCFA's meeting, so I look forward to catching you up next year. Thank you. Thank you very much. Moving on to council member reports or comments. Are there any comments or reports on Councilmember McGurr? Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, I wanted to comment on an issue that the entire country is faced with, and that's homelessness. But before I get into that, I wanted to point out a couple of things that we've done tonight that may have not raised a lot of attention with the uh, residents. One dealt with uh, item 4.6, which was part of our consent calendar, and one was 7.1, which we just heard from Mike Linares regarding the reallocation of, of uh, community development block grant uh, coronavirus funds. The overall issue here are people in need. You're laughing, I don't know sure why. Um, but that being said, we've, out, we've reallocated funds to age well senior services who purchase food for senior meal programs, to RSM Cares who provide food for the food bank program, in particular Chris O'Connor who has a food bank that he basically runs twice a month and we honored him a month ago. We also tonight under 4.6 uh, approved an amendment to the consulting services with Mercy House Living Centers, which would allow for 20 hours a week uh, outreach to the homeless versus eight hours a week. For those who aren't familiar with this issue, um, I bring it up because we have 15 homeless individuals in, I think, 2019, according to the point-in-time account, and then the point-in-time count as of this year was seven. It could be lower, it could be higher next year, who knows. But what a lot of people don't understand is that there was a decision by the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals called Boise v. Martin, which held, and by the way, the Ninth Circuit deals with Alaska, Arizona, California, Washington, Idaho, Montana, Colorado, uh, Nevada, and Oregon. I think I have them all. Uh, That court decision was appealed to the United States Supreme Court who decided not to hear it. So it stands as law. And the Boise v. Martin decision held that a city cannot enforce what they call an anti-camping ordinance. In other words, you can't address somebody who's sleeping on the sidewalk um, unless uh, there are homeless shelter beds available within that jurisdiction that could house that individual. Well, that doesn't happen very much because every city does not have a shelter. So we deal with our homeless population to the best ability we can. And I know there have been a lot of people concerned about a woman who sleeps in her car on Antonio Parkway, right near one of our elementary schools. And we're doing our darndest. And the reason I bring this up is because these issues we've talked about tonight, increasing the Mercy House outreach ability, 
reallocating funds to um, uh, groups that provide meals and uh, assistance for these folks. The question shouldn't be, what is the city not doing? The question should be, what are we doing to help these people and to get them off the streets and do the very best we can to help them and obviously help our residents who obviously don't want a homeless person sleeping in front of their home or sleeping in front of their elementary school. So I only bring that up during 10.2 at this point in time because it seems to be a timely issue and I wanted to have the opportunity to explain why it is the city can't do more than what we're doing, but we did tonight. So that's why I bring it up. But thank you for your time. Thank you very much. Mayor Pro Tem. Thank you, Madam Mayor. I just wanted to bring up um, the subject of our speed trailers that are around the city. We had more positive comments on those than the, the, the question used to always be when's the next restaurant coming in. Now it's, gosh, those speed trailers are really helping. So well, we have two, right? Two or three, is that what we have? What we have? One? How many do we have? We, 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 we have had one. two. Right. One of them was damaged today. Oh, today? Today. Yes. Well, I didn't know that. I wouldn't okay. Um, well, then yeah. obviously. It, it will be replaced okay, okay. as quickly as we can. They are effective, yes. and the fact that they show the speed. It was effective I mean, in stopping the I gotta person admit, that I got to admit, I look at those and it. slow down. Yes, and then now you have messages about um, enforcing, I think, uh, noisy vehicles and whatnot. It's, it is effective, and people notice it, and they slow down and um, love them when they're around school zones. Um, we have some busy, busy school zones around here, so thank you for um, getting those out there. I don't know who all does that, but um, I'll be happy to hear when we have that next one back up today. Huh? Okay, all right, thank you. That's all I have. Councilmember Beal, nothing tonight. Um, I just wanted to um, say it was an absolute pleasure um, last week to present a certificate to Daniel Madrid. Um, with RSM Cares on behalf of the city and my city council colleagues. Daniel Madrid is a gentleman who lives in Rancho Santa Margarita, and everybody at Pavilion knows him now because he donates food to RSM Cares Food Pantry on a weekly basis um, in the hundreds of dollars. And uh, now everybody at Pavilions knows him, loves him, RSM cares too. Um, he hasn't lived too long in Rancho Santa Margarita, but um, what a wonderful person. He was so honored to be recognized last week. Pavilions um, did an absolutely wonderful job. They actually donated $1,000 to RSM Cares on behalf of Daniel. So that was fantastic. And they also did a big um, Oktoberfest type um, of vegetables and crackers and dessert spread for him as well. So um, just, you know, just is just such a wonderful thing to see people in Rancho Santa Margarita like Daniel, all the wonderful things that he does in supporting RSM Cares. So that was um, the highlight of my week last week. And then also just wanted to remind everybody about uh, Rancho Family Fest, right? October 8th and 9th. Um, we're looking forward to that. Um, so many people, our Chamber of Commerce has been working. This is their event. They've been working very hard on it. It takes um, a good part of the year to plan. Um, there's a lot of committees meetings, a lot of board of director meetings, and it's all culminating on October 8th and 9th, so we hope that you all come out for that. Okay, if, uh, if there's nothing else tonight, I'm going to go ahead and adjourn the meeting. The next regular meeting of the City Council will be held Wednesday, October 12th at 7 p.m. in the City Council Chambers. Meeting adjourned. <laughs>